Good morning, Agatha. We have generated a lot of questions with a recent newsletter on billing for pharmacist cognitive services in a physician office. The question we've received the most, so how can a pharmacist bill in a clinic that is hospital-based, like for example, an anticoagulation clinic? Well, in 2018, the, human, the Health and Human Service Department published Reforming America's Health System Through Choice and Competition. This report encourages the federal government and states to consider legislative and administrative proposals to facilitate direct and equitable payment to non-physician providers, including pharmacists for their clinical services. Some states have introduced legislation or have proposals through their state Medicaid programs, but we haven't seen anything widespread yet or on a federal level. Agatha, why don't you tell us something about your program, your pilot program in, in your state of Tennessee? Uh, yes, Maxie. Tennessee is one state that has a pilot program to pay pharmacists a monthly fee for managing a 10-care patient's medication therapy. 10-care is our state's Medicaid program. The monthly reimbursement ranges from a base rate of $55 to $75, with additional exceptions that are approved case by case. Anticoagulation monitoring services is one of those that's actually specified in the program. We believe that if a pharmacist is being paid under this pilot program, another pharmacist couldn't bill for the same service, even if the patient is seen in the hospital-based clinic. So it is important to know the insurer, the coverage, and patient-specific instructions when billing for these services. Maxie, our newsletter has lots of information, including information about prior HHS audits. Can you summarize some of the key elements in just a few sentences? <laughs> That's funny. Um, I'll do my best to try to do it in just a few sentences. First, in order to bill a clinic visit, when patients are seen in a hospital outpatient department, the most important thing is the medical record documentation which has to support medical necessity and to show the services were reasonable and necessary. We have a checklist of items and examples in our newsletters that may be helpful. Secondly, the specifications of an insurer are important to investigate and understand. For example, Medicare will only accept HCPCS code G0463 to compensate for the hospital's resources whereas other payers won't accept the GO463 and may require that 99211 be billed. Thirdly, it's important that pharmacy and managed care contracting groups get together and meet with the major payers to have language included in the contracts to compensate for pharmacist services. It may be by an addendum or policy, but should include an outline of services provided what is necessary documentation to meet medical necessity, and the agreed upon reimbursement rate. Fourth, of course we have to mention that the pharmacist must be acting within their scope of practice and also within all the state's rules and regulations. Agatha, let's go straight into our action steps in our shout out section. Yeah, thanks Maxie. So let's use a pharmacist-managed anticoagulation clinic as an example. And here's what we recommend the following to substantiate billing for a clinic visit 
for pharmacist services that are provided in a hospital outpatient department. First, we do recommend that pharmacy compliance and legal should review the scope of practice provisions in state pharmacy and medical board rules and regulations to determine if there is any special credentialing, collaborative practice agreements, or other criteria that must be met to provide the services. Processes should be developed to ensure that all practitioners providing cognitive services have appropriate credentials or signed agreements, that the credentialing is tracked, and then if credentials or agreements are time limited, meaning they expire, that a process is in place to ensure that they are updated and renewed prior to expiration so that there are no gaps in patient services. Next, that same set of groups, the pharmacy compliance and legal, should also review state rules and regulations that pertain to the provision of pharmacist managed services and ensure that all requirements are met in appropriate timelines. For example, if a state requires that a collaborating physician review the patient's progress every six months, your IT system should be set with reminders and charts should be audited periodically to ensure that the medical record documentation for each patient supports the state rules and regulations. Again, pharmacy compliance and legal should review any existing agreements, particularly for state Medicaid programs, that may provide for monthly reimbursement for the total management of medications. If patients are covered under these reimbursement models and payment is made to other pharmacists, these payers should not be billed again for similar services provided in the hospital outpatient department. Pharmacy compliance and then revenue integrity really should meet in advance and approve the criteria and medical record documentation that's required for the appropriate billing of the clinic visit. And that's G0463 for Medicare outpatients. So that group should determine what is the accepted standards of medical care that demonstrate medical necessity. Ideally, you should have policies, protocols, and algorithms that are approved by medical staff committees and the dates of those approvals should be available when audits are performed or medical record requests are made by the payer. Some of the elements that should be considered in developing the criteria include the following. First, a medical record statement that documents that the services provided in compliance with state scope of practice for pharmacists. For example, you may have to report the credentials of the rendering provider pharmacist and that they are under a collaborative practice agreement if that's what your state requires. You should also um, include the frequency of patient visits that are compared to the national standards of care and the criteria in which that frequency could be increased or decreased based upon the patient's condition. A third bullet that's, that's interesting to um, explore, but you may want to also document the need for the hospital visit compared to either a physician office visit or a home INR monitoring. So the question would be, what are the patient's needs or conditions that make the hospital the most appropriate setting? You should have an order from a qualified healthcare provider for monitoring services, such as a physician referral, or an intent to order from a qualified healthcare provider that includes any lab values that are required for monitoring. It would be good to have a medical record statement as to how the service is meeting the patient's needs, uh, but again, not exceeding the needs of the patient. 
it's nice to have uniform facility specified documentation of your clinical services that include notes about education, referrals to other practitioners, um, and updates to referring physicians and updates to the supervising physician. This could be in a SOAP format or the nationally endorsed pharmacist patient care processes or any other recognized format that your facility has approved. We recommend that hospital claims should include the NPI or national provider identification number of the physician who is providing general supervision of the pharmacist services in the hospital outpatient department as required under OPPS. General supervision means that the procedure is furnished under the physician's overall direction and control, but that physician's presence is not required during the performance of the procedure. Maxie, we've got two more shout outs that pharmacists should consider partnering with their managed care contracting group as well as internal audit. Would you like to cover those? Certainly, and thanks for covering those meaty details. Lastly, we have pharmacy and managed care contracting should meet with the payers to include language in negotiated contracts and supplemental policies which provide reimbursement for pharmacist services in hospital outpatient departments based upon medical staff approved standards of care, agreed upon medical record documentation and reimbursement rates. And the last shout out for today, is pharmacy and internal audit should consider auditing a sample of 50 paid claims every 12 months to ensure all payer specifications are met to substantiate the services billed and audit results maintained to provide evidence of sound billing practices. Thanks to our readers and listeners for the great follow-up questions. Our goal is simple. We're taking complex information and making it practical. Until our next episode, this is Maxie Framel and Agatha Nolan providing you with tips for increasing your pharmacy revenue.